from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast here at LondonNewsToday.ca, ClassicRock981.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk housing today because it continues to be, I think, the biggest issue in this city, in this province, and in some parts of this country. And to do that, I wanted to bring in Mike Moff to chat about that, who, of course, is an economist who talks a lot about this. Hello, Mike. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So the reason that I wanted to have this conversation with you is, is an ad that's playing on ClassicRock981.com. And I, and I tagged you in the tweet when I said I had noticed it because it kind of kind of stuck out to me. And I, I, I was able to send it over to you. But basically, it's an ad for the government of Alberta saying, hey, everyone should move here. And for the sake of our listeners, here is how the ad sounds. Hey, London. What has less taxes, cheaper gas, and higher salaries? What has North America's most livable city and fastest-growing tech sector? What has opportunities for everyone, from accountants, nurses, and plumbers, to engineers, programmers, and electricians? If you answered Alberta, you must be hearing the call. Alberta is calling. Learn more at albertaiscalling.ca. A message from the Government of Alberta. So, Mike, you had a chance to hear the ad. This is something you've been talking about for a long time, that, hey, people are going to leave Ontario because the cost of housing is so out of control. This is just, I suppose, the natural next step in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is uh, this is a, the continuation of a campaign that the government of Alberta launched uh, sometime last year. Now, that one was isolated to the city of Toronto, and I think there may have been a couple ads in, in Mississauga. Um, they were mostly, um, you know, subway ads, bus ads, that kind of thing with this Alberta is calling tagline that was, was focusing on, I'd say three things. Uh, one, uh, incomes and, and jobs that, uh, in Alberta incomes are, are higher for a variety of, uh, different reasons. Um, secondly, cost of living, particularly cost uh, of housing. And then the third one is around sort of uh, tax, uh, so no sales tax. Well, I suppose there's a fourth. Uh, you know, they like to point out that their their mountains are a little bit taller and nicer than ours, and I'll, I'll give them that. Just one. just a wee bit, just a wee just, bit, just 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 a wee bit. But uh, but overall, um, you know, this is playing off of some trends that had started before the ads. So we know. Uh, in the last year or so, about 20,000 people on net have left Ontario for Alberta. And that, that's unusual that, you know, most times uh, it tends to net out. So the number of people moving to Alberta and the number of people moving from Alberta to here tends to tends to even out, or at least has in recent years. But we have seen um, this exodus of Ontarians out, and it, it's not just to Alberta. We've lost about 25,000 to to Atlantic Canada. So I think Alberta is trying to capitalize on some pre-existing trends. Yeah, my first reaction when I heard the ad was, well, that's going to be effective. <laughs> like, I, I, I really, I, and I, I'm not joking. I really think it's going to be effective. I think that there are going to be a lot of people who are finishing school for the various professions you heard in there, be it nursing, be it electricians, be it plumbers, who look around and say, I'm never going to be able to afford a house here. I'm going to go someplace where I can. And they need those people with those types of professional credentials in Alberta. So maybe I'll just head out that way. I, th- I think that we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we know from the data who's who's leaving Ontario and, and a slim majority, so slightly over 50 percent, are people between the ages of 25 and 35. 
So it's your early career professionals who want to, you know, settle down, uh, raise kids, you know, have a, a, a th three bedroom or larger place and just going, I can't do that in Ontario. Yeah, maybe I can uh, afford a, a one bedroom apartment somewhere, but I'm never going to be able to get the, the space that I want. And then we couple that with, again, you, you mentioned some of the, the job categories that are going. Keep in mind, a lot of those are public sector workers, and we're looking at you know teachers and early childhood yep. educators who have also seen their salaries cap by one percent. So it's like okay, you and know, nurses is the big one because we're one. we're getting hollowed out of nurses not just because of that one percent cap, but because of people leaving the province. Those two things are are working in concert together. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're staying in Ontario, you're paying an extra nine to ten percent uh, a year over last year on your grocery bill. You know, inflation is just over five percent according to some data that just came out today, and your uh, your income is capped at a one percent increase. So you are basically by staying in Ontario, you are taking a a real pay cut every single year and paying the highest. Uh, the highest rents in, in Canada. So it's no wonder somebody looks at Edmonton and going, you know, I could quit my job in Ontario, move to Edmonton, make an extra five to $10,000 a year, not have to pay provincial sales tax. And oh, by the way, the rents are like half of what they are in London and Kitchener and Guelph. For a lot of young people, it's, it's a no brainer. I saw a really interesting tweet that you sent out the other day about how for a lot of OHL players, if you get drafted from the London Knights or the Kitchener Rangers, wherever it happens to be, and you go to the Calgary Flames or the Edmonton Oilers, you're going to pay less in rent and less for housing costs yeah, once you're making pretty, NHL money. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild. Uh, it, it's absolutely wild to, to, to think about because that's not how things are supposed to work. You know, we tend to think big cities expensive, you know, midsize and smaller communities cheaper. And, and that has historically been the case but things have broken in ontario so again if you get drafted by the oilers and and uh you are in any southern ontario ohl team um you would be moving to a city with lower rents um the only ohl teams that have lower rents in edmonton are either in northern ontario or in the united states if you get drafted by winnipeg even the northern ontario uh, cities have have higher rents and property prices than winnipeg so i think that shows the extent of the challenge and that's tends to be eye-opening for people because it's easy to dismiss uh, this issue as well. That's It's a Toronto thing, and, and Toronto's a big city, so of course it's expensive. But when Edmonton is cheaper than Sarnia and... Uh, and you know Winnipeg is is cheaper than uh, North Bay, that becomes a bit of a problem. Edmonton is cheaper than Owen Sound. Yes, like which is that's shocking. That is shocking. Well, absolutely. And we know, you know, I love Owen Sound, but we know Owen Sound wages are not uh, are not keeping up uh, with those in in Edmonton. And actually, part of what's driving this move now is it's actually easier for for people who live particularly in the GTA, but but anywhere in Ontario. A lot of the people who are moving have work from home jobs as well, so they're not they're not even necessarily having to quit right away. So what we're seeing is people go, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move out to Edmonton. I'll keep my you know I'll keep my job virtually in, in Mississauga or wherever and, and telecommute for a while until I find something locally. So that combination of housing prices and the ability for at least some uh, some industries and, and some professions to be done virtually has really ramped up this out migration.
So uh, we've, we've had this conversation in the podcast before where I say, Mike, you know, what do we do about this? And you say, Craig, we've got to build more housing. So I'll ask you, Mike, what do we do about this? <laughs> Yeah, well, well, absolutely. I think I think we need to build uh, we need to build more housing, and and we're we're in this kind of cruel irony right now that we are losing electricians and plumbers and roofers, the very people we need to build more housing to Alberta. So our lack of housing is making it difficult for us to to build housing. So I think that's the first thing we have to look at, and I do wonder how long um, this sort of public sector wage freeze is going to last and and i have to you know naturally i have a conflict of interest there because i am i'm bound uh by that one percent uh one percent cap but you really start to wonder how much longer we're going to be able to do that if if not just alberta but but nova scotia and other provinces are poaching our employees that you know i saw just recently uh nova scotia is offering ten thousand dollar retention bonuses for healthcare workers so now, again, if you're uh, if you're a nurse living in London, go okay. Well, I can move out to Nova Scotia. I can pay a lot less in rent, and if I stay twelve months, I get a ten thousand dollar bonus. That sounds pretty good to a lot of people. Yeah, it's just we're, we're we're not competitive when it comes to some of these things, unless we're talking about people who got into the housing market sort of before things really got out of hand. That's that's a bit of a different conversation. But if you're trying to get in now, or if you're trying to look for a new place to rent now, you're in a bad way. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so because it's easy to also think that oh well, well house prices are down because interest rates are up, but we have to realize that well interest rates are up. So, so monthly mortgage payments are up significantly, even if you you know relative to a year ago, even though that you're buying somewhat lower prices, you know about fifteen percent lower prices, that advantage is is soaked up by the higher interest rates. And in London, again, a, a one bedroom apartment, the average rent according to Rentals.ca is over $1,700, and that's up 20%, and this is just on, on, on um, new leases, that's up 20% from, from last year, you know, so that's, you know, you're, you're looking at an extra couple hundred bucks a month uh, relative, or more than that, but 300 bucks a month relative to, to last year. So that's incredibly expensive. So you're right that, you know, if you were lucky enough to get into the market 10 or 20 years ago, you're probably fine. Or if you're living in a building that built before 2018 and you're not moving, so you're subject to rent control, you know, you've got some protection there. But if you are uh, looking for a new place or looking, uh, yeah, basically looking for a new place and, and earning uh, an entry level income, it's a very tough market out there. Yeah, it, it certainly would be. And I'll, I'll give this example. So I'm not going to say obviously what the, the, the street is or where it is, but there is a uh, essentially a duplex across the street from where I live. And they've just recently renovated them. And I saw the ads for how much they're, they're asking for each. And each of the two in the duplex across the street from my single family home uh, are asking for more in monthly rent than I pay in mortgage, electric, electricity costs and property taxes combined. Like, yeah, it, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely, uh, it, it's absolutely unreal that, uh, you know, about 20 years ago, we bought a home Adelaide and Sunningdale area, you know, brand new home, uh, for like $168,000. And to my, to my mind, you know, that seemed like an impossible amount of money. I remember how hard, 
uh, my partner and I had to to save to get thirty thousand dollars for a for a down payment. And now the, those homes are selling for four times as much. And I uh, I can tell you that that incomes have not gone up four x in in twenty years. So it's an incredibly tough market uh, to break into. And I understand why young people are are voting with their feet and saying I don't need this. Uh, you know I would much much rather live in uh, in an Edmonton or Regina or Halifax where I can uh, actually afford to ha have a space and have a yard and, and raise some kids. Does this become, do you think, a political issue, not just for the people who are in that portion of the age spectrum, but I think there are going to be people who are in their 50s and 60s that want to still live in London or Toronto or Kitchener and are going to be ticked off that their grandkids live in Regina or Halifax. I, I do think so. So, and I, I think that's one of the ways we we actually get to a solution. Um, that I, I think often the discourse becomes, you know, thinking that is zero sum. That you know, if we make uh, make properties more available for younger people, that will disadvantage existing homeowners. And I don't think that's entirely true. I think one of the reasons why is what you've absolutely described that uh, existing homeowners would love to see their grandkids and aren't able to if they're living in a different province. I also think that there's an increasing recognition that the you know the personal support workers and the workers to work in in long-term care homes uh, can't afford uh, to to live in cities like London, and, and we're going to count on those people. So, you know, I think there's going to be this recognition that you know you know why, why you know why can't I uh, why can't I go see my doctor or, or or why are are the lines so long at um, you know walk-in clinics and, and things like that? Well, it's just because we don't have the the medical support people. So, I do I do think we're getting to a consensus where even existing homeowners are saying, yeah, you know what? There's yeah, my my home price has gone up. Up, but it's not worth all of the sort of damage it's it's doing to society. Yeah, and that's the thing is okay. It's great if your home price has gone up, and it's great if you know some investor wants to buy your house and, and rent it out. Whatever they're making a lot of money after you sell your home, and that's great. But at some point, you want other people around you who you care about, and you want the services that are important to you in your community to be staffed by people who are, you know, actually around. So uh, everything from a, a, as simple as, hey, when I go to Subway, I want there to be someone there making my sandwich to I want there to be a family doctor. There needs to be housing for those ranges of incomes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So there there are going to be all kinds of challenges for that. And I think that's one of the the ironies of London right now is is we're doing so well when it comes to investment attraction. Right. Uh, obviously, there's, uh, you know, the, the Volkswagen announcements uh, from from earlier this month, but Maple Leaf Foods and others. And, you know, now we're seeing stories of concerns that, uh, you know, we're going to need to attract workers for those plants and they can't afford the, you know, they're going to have trouble affording places to, to live there. So it, it is absolutely a challenge and it won't be just a challenge to, to find people who to work at Timmy's, but also find people to uh, assemble these, these battery packs that we'll be uh, building out in St. Thomas. Well, I'm curious to see what governments decide to do about this, because what's the latest projection from you and how many homes we need over the next 10 years? Yeah, so the, the provincial government says that we need 1.5 million over the next uh, 10 years. Uh, we ran the numbers last summer at SPI because we were actually a little skeptical of, of that number. I, I thought it was a little bit on the high side. Um we ran the numbers and it actually checks out that 1.5 million is a reasonable estimate given population growth and, and demographic changes. 
But to put that into context, because again, 1.5 million is just a number. It's hard to know whether it's a lot or not a lot. Um, we've never built more than 850,000 homes in Ontario in any 10-year period. We haven't built 750,000 or even half of that target in any 10-year period since the end of 1972 to the end of 1982. So we haven't hit half of that target in 40 years. So I like to say that that time period I described, that's basically the time where they were making new episodes of MASH. That's the sort of run <laughs> of, of MASH. And it literally, the MASH ran from the fall of 1972 to the spring of 1983. So you know, we need to do something we haven't done since MASH was making new episodes and then double it. So this is going to be a monumental challenge. And we have a provincial budget coming out this week federal budget coming out next week. And I, I think it's going to be important to see what programs are going to be in there in order to, to get more homes built. And that's, you know, everything from actually building uh, non-market um, non units to questions around labor supply, you know, trying to find all the electricians and plumbers and roofers we're going to need to build 1.5 million homes in 10 years. Yeah. Now, 10 years, of course, is a very long time to make a, a television program for a show that lasts for a war that lasted for three years. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're right. It's 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 basically asking something that's that's never occurred before. And I'm very skeptical based on that, that it will, even if we everyone really, really wanted to, even if, if everyone was on board. We're lacking the, you, you mentioned we're le losing a lot of the folks who would be doing that work as far as creating those homes or moving to other places. And we have some difficulties when it comes to uh, local municipalities deciding, hey, I don't want this house here or hey, I, or, or, I don't want the subdivision here and hey, I don't want the department building there. Like even if the provincial government wanted to and thought it was just this wonderful, amazing idea, I still don't think we'd be able to accomplish it. So that leaves us in a bad spot. Yeah, it, it really does um, that this is not, you know, this is not something we want to do just because it would be nice to do. This is not, you know, this this is not landing on the moon going, OK, this would be an incredible thing to do. But, you know, life will go on if, if we don't. We really do need uh, we do really do need these homes. So absolutely, this is going to require um you know, sometimes tough choices on all three levels of government. So municipalities are going to have to figure out how to deal with those forces of, of nimbyism that uh, prevent things from 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 happening. Uh, the provincial government has its own approval process to challenge. You know, things that um, get caught up at the land tribunal, uh, things that that last for years, and environmental assessments and 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 things like that. They're going to need to figure out the labor side. They're going to need to figure out the infrastructure because this isn't just about building enough homes, but it's also the schools, the parks, the sewers. You know, so, some of that's municipal, but a lot of that's uh, provincial. And then federally, uh, you know, we're going to need to uh, figure out how to uh, get get enough labor through through the immigration system. Uh, you know, the federal government plays a role on the skill side and um, they also play a role in the tax side that, uh, you know, I think one of the things we're going to have to figure out is how to get that billions and trillions of uh, dollars floating around international markets that sometimes is, is actually being used to build up, uh, buy up existing homes. How can we tweak the tax code to actually use that to get those investors to build new buildings and to get shovels in the ground? So we're going to have to make some some tough choices. And we're also going to have to recognize that we're not going to get everything right, that uh, some things are going to have to have unintended consequences. But 
um, you know, we're going to need that strong political will. And I, I'm just not entirely convinced we're there yet. We're going to have to have some council meetings where people in certain neighborhoods are real upset about stuff and we're going to have to ignore them. And do we have the capability of ignoring them? That's, that's, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah, that, 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 that's, uh, that's absolutely right. That's, um, you know, uh, you know, and I see, you know, in, in London or Ottawa or wherever that we have these meetings and, uh, you know, and we're trying to build very modest infill with 15 units and you get people going, no, I want, you know, three large semi-detached homes there. Um, just the, you know, even when we get to yes on, on that, there's the amount of, of time and effort and energy um, that takes up is, is a problem. So I think one of the ways we're going to have to get there is just approvals by right of, you know, allowing certain types of development that don't have to go through this process. Because, you know, if I'm building a single detached home on a greenfield lot that's, um, uh, you know, out uh, that that's zoned for it, I don't have to, you know, I'm not subject to all of this sort of public scrutiny that I am if I, again, I want to build a, a three-story walk-up uh, somewhere. So I think we are going to have to make those those tough choices about, again, which projects warrant public discussion and which should be allowed by right. Yeah, I, uh, I entirely agree with that. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for the time and uh, to sort of do a, a check-in on this. Anything else that you wanted to, to add or mention before we wrap up? Well, I'd say overall that I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're you're discussing this. Um, you know, I will leave with a, a, a point of optimism that um, I am actually more optimistic than I was a year ago, and it's not so much because we've got the policy solutions right, but I feel like now we're actually admitting we have a problem, and we weren't exactly there a year or two years ago, and that's the first step in, into solving it. So, you know, I just like to say, you know, keep up the great work, keep, keep pushing on these issues, pushing uh, pushing government because I I think we are slowly inching uh, closer to a, a solution. And I want to create a province where, you know, you know, my, my kids in, in 10, 15 years, uh, you know, they're going to be the, the first time home buyers. And I'd love them to uh, be able to, to go here and not feel like they have to go to Alberta in, in order to make things work. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm also concerned about that. Uh, it may be about uh, 15, 20 years for my kids, but same deal. I'm just, I, I, hope that they, I hope that they don't have to leave the province because there's no space for them here. So, uh, Yeah, and it goes, it goes faster than you think. Yeah, I'm it sure it does. I'm sure it does. Uh, Mike, thanks a lot for doing this. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Oh, thank you for having me. That's Mike Moffitt with the Smart Prosperity Institute. He's an economist, joins us to talk about housing here on the Craig Needles podcast. And and there's the take. And I know that some people will say, well, Craig, is this the most important issue right now? We've got grocery prices that are out of control. We've got this going on, that going on. I will say affordability of a place to live is going to be the top issue for anyone. It's, is it more important than election interference? You can talk about that amongst yourselves, but I will say this. For a lot of Canadians, yes, it specifically is. And I got into a bit of a Twitter discussion about that this week with Aaron Woodruff, with the McDonald-Laurier Institute. And he said that, you know, Singh is, Jagmeet Singh was not concerned enough about the Chinese election interference story and too concerned about the grocery price story. I'll say this. Uh, a lot of Canadians do not give one, well, Think about the word I was going to use there. I'm not going to say it. Uh, about election interference, but they really do care about their grocery bill and they really do care about how much it costs for them to pay rent or their mortgage or whatever it happens to be. 
And you don't have to like that. You may disagree with that. You may think that people's priorities are misplaced because our democracy is the most important thing. And, and I wouldn't reject that. All I'm saying is here, when we're being realistic, we have to acknowledge that a lot of Canadians are going to care more about that pocketbook stuff than they ever will about anything else. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. We'll wrap up the podcast here. Thank you very much for downloading, listening to, subscribing, reviewing, all that lovely stuff with the Craig Needles podcast, which you can find at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca. And of course, on your very favorite podcast apps. The Craig Needles podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.